Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh. And I'm Gabriel. And this week is the Mythic Odysseys of Theros, our review, part two. All right, you know the, the drill real quick here before we get in. This is our second part of our review. Our first part is also up on our podcast. You can find that wherever you want to listen to podcasts, including on YouTube. And we also have our Instagram page, at d20 underscore academy. We can get you into our Discord server there. A lot of things happening. Go through a lot of interesting homebrew. It's a great place to just talk about D&D and such. If you are interested in that, just message us on Instagram. We'll get you in there. We are caught up on our YouTube channel. We have yep. all of our episodes up there. And we're going to be getting some YouTube-exclusive content out there pretty soon. At, at D20 Academy. Yeah. On YouTube. Sorry. Somewhere. Let's get into it. Hey. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to our ASMR. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. I don't know Today's if it's ASMR last nice, time. nice, because... We're recording in person. We're recording in person. Yep. So Shadow doesn't have to do as much editing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really great, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, you know, we reviewed the first part many, mm-hmm. many weeks ago. Uh, I know it just came out last week, but we recorded the first part, like, a long time ago. That's true, yeah. Um, so I'm excited to jump back into this. Uh, if you didn't listen to the first part, obviously go listen to the first part. It's the a review of the Mythic Odysseys of Sarah, uh, Theros book. Theros, yep. Theros. Yep. Mm-hmm. The book that just came out. Um, pretty cool. We go cool. through like, the first three chapters, talking about, you know, what is the world, making characters. Yeah. Gods. Gods. Uh, now right. we're looking at uh, creating Theros adventures, monsters, magic items, mm-hmm. things like that. And I want to say, we start off with a really dope art piece. With, like, the most beautiful art piece here. It's really sick. Chapter 4. I'm not going to describe it because I'd do a horrible job, but it's just... Cool. I wish you could see it. Hey, you know how you can see it? You get the book. Sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. Just kidding. But, no. We're not sponsored by I had by a dream the, the other day that yeah. we both got hired by Wizards of the Coast. That's a it's really good, sick. That's a pretty good dream. So, guys, if you, like, your <laughs> uncle is Chris Perkins... Yeah. You know, we're listening... You mean that we know... You know, we know your uncle's Chris Perkins. You can't hide that from yeah, us. Yeah, y- you. You know who we're talking to. Yeah. Person who has a famous, rich, powerful, something relative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. so <laughs> we're going to get into this uh, episode here. Once again, Gabe has read through, not like you know cover to cover, but he's delved deep into this book mm. um, and, and skimmed through, read through most of it. Um, I have not. I'm mm-hmm. discovering all of this for the first time along with you guys. Yeah. If you happen to have a copy, open it up. We're on chapter four. Read along with us. We're not going to read through the whole thing. This is not an audiobook. Yeah. Um, also, I'm pretty sure we get, like, no, no one would know, but, like, if people did know, we could probably get sued. Yeah. If we just, like, read word for word verbatim. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about creating Theros adventures here mm-hmm. in chapter four. And the first thing to take note of, the first thing that it has up here is creating God-based adventures. So this is all about becoming a Christian. What? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so anyway, uh, it, it opens by saying, like, hey, what kind of adventures are going to happen? Um, because, you know, yeah, you need character options. That's very important for creating yeah. characters. But DMs need to know how to create a campaign or mm-hmm. one-shots or whatever they want to do. Create little Theros adventures. And how to create a campaign that fits the setting, fits the world. Exactly. And in Theros, like, the big themes of the world are... You know, these big mythological heroes, big yep. mythological gods, and big mythological monsters. Yep. 
So we're going to see uh, uh, how to do that here. <laughs> how to do that. Um, and, and we're going to read through this and then talk about if this helps you make adventures, if there's not enough here mm. or whatever. Let's go through it. Okay, God-based adventures. Each God section in this chapter provides you the ingredients to build your own epics. <laughs> okay. Okay, this is a good thing already. Yeah, yeah. You want to go ahead and talk about this? All right. So it jumps off, like, right here, talking about how do you operate a party and create this story when there are characters worshipping different gods and following different orders that have different creeds and such. So it jumps right into this description of how they like, give a brief outline of how you can work with a party that is very split in who they worship and who they follow. Yeah, so that's, that's cool, because that was the one problem that we had yeah. with Ravnica, which was the ten different guilds. That's all cool in concept, but once you started playing, everyone had a different guild, and so it was like, why would I go with you on this God-focused adventure, which is what we're about to read, right? God-focused adventures. Yeah. Uh, if I don't follow your God. So let's go through these options here. So the first one says Divine Coalition. The characters represent a coalition of gods who have joined forces against a common foe. So, like, the gods that the party follows have all mm -hmm. teamed up. That's a, that's a great way for, yeah. to me, as, like, a DM to be like, yeah. To get you guys all involved. It's easy to get all involved, and, like, it sets up, like, a stage for a long story. Yep. You know, you've got an end goal that your gods are working together for. Next one is just friendly cooperation. So, gods that typically get along together well might just, like, oh, you do this for me, I do that for you. You know, a give and take. So, if it gives an example here of, oh, if this champion of this god helps this champion of this god, then the other one will help the other one, and then... Back and forth, you know? Yeah. So on and so forth. Oh, each other favors and such. Um, yeah. You know. As it says, as long as the aims of the gods are in opposition, those gods take no issues with their champions helping each other. Mm. And then together by circumstance is the final option. A group of characters may find themselves uh, in such a case uh, when they have to, to combine against a common threat um, where their allegiance to different gods is less important than the urgency of their current situation. Yeah. This is for when you have characters that are worshipping gods that are in opposition of each other. Yeah. And wouldn't work together elsewise, you know? But but I do think that the first option is the best because... Yeah. Even if they aren't playing, or if they aren't worshipping gods who, who, you know, share things in common, that's an interesting story point about why they would be teaming up in this yeah. instance or whatever. The, together by circumstance, it's kind of like a bandage. Yeah. It's a band-aid. Also, what's cool about it is that it isn't totally, like... Um, like, you can, like, betray the other person, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, not yeah. totally clear, like, why, the, what the gods, um, you know, intentions are with yeah. teaming up with this god. Definitely, like, if they wouldn't usually team up together or whatever, like, that's cool and interesting. Um, kind of, uh, be, you know, you can kind of be wary of the other champions and stuff. Um, if they're trying to get something out of it, uh, you know, differently or might betray you or whatever. I think that, that, that can be pretty interesting. Okay, what's a quest? What's a quest? A mortal champion is a vessel of divine power and an agent of divine will. A champion's role is to act as the gods' eyes and hands, upholding the deity's ideals and shaping the world to conform to those ideals. So essentially, most of the adventurers, most of the heroes in these stories that you're going to be playing through and making are going to be champions of gods, you know? People who the gods have bestowed favor upon or have earned favor yeah. Or they play against the grain. Make sure there's a table a little less, just in case it's messing with the recording. All right, yeah. Or go against the grain or against the gods, whatever.
but most people are going to be champions of the gods. Yeah. So a lot of the quests are going to be around fulfilling the needs and filling the wishes of the gods. Yeah, one of the things that we talked about in the last one was, uh, you know, they have a little bit, not a little bit actually, a lot of bit on each god. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is like what their tenets are, like what you can do to further the god's goals, right? Yes. So whether it's like for the god of passage to like make sure people get proper burial rites and all that kind of stuff that, mm -hmm. that you don't... Um, you know, desecrate the dead or whatever. And then for another one, it could be like retaking forests or whatever or saving trees or whatever the heck it is. Um, and so like you can tie those kinds of, you can look at those as a DM and tie those into quests. Yeah. And I, just going back to that chapter, what I really like is that they have certain things that are, you know, easy to fulfill and th certain things yeah. that are harder to fulfill. Yeah. Bigger, bigger scale things yeah, and smaller exactly. scale things. Um, like one thing that just popped off the top of my head was like, what if for the God of Passage, one, one of your party members follows him. And so like their job is to escort this spirit from the mortal world into the underworld, like go through that whole journey and escort the spirit there. And the spirit is a highly favored, uh, apostle of another God. And that's why, and that God really wants that person, that person's spirit to get to the underworld. So then that's why that player character wants to be in it or, you know, and you can come yeah. up with different reasons as a DM. And what I think is really cool about this is actually it, it in some instances as a DM you can think like oh this is harder for me to come up with stories and stuff because you have mm -hmm. to find ways to tie them in and all that kind of stuff, but it, it, on the opposite side of the coin I think it is also helping you and inspiring you. Um, it can give you ideas um, and make your adventures more interesting because you have to figure out the like why these gods will work together, mm -hmm. why the the party um, each should have their own. Um, reason to, to be embarking on this adventure. Um, and a, as a DM, yes, that can be a struggle, but that you, can, you should also look at that as a way to help you and inspire you. And it can actually make creating adventures easier. So I was getting ahead of myself there and just got really, like, excited. Um, sorry, yes. Villains and monsters. Oh, yeah. Villains are going to serve the gods' wills, of course, as well. Yeah. So that's also cool. Um, you know, if... There's some gods that have certain rivalries. That could be a, a reason you're you're in the mission because your yeah. god hates that god's champions or monsters or whatever. <laughs> okay, god gods as campaign villains. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's a pretty logical thing where you might be like yeah. fighting against a god or not even like a god directly or like a champion of that god. Or the movement that the god is trying to inspire in the world. Yeah, yeah, because, like, killing a god is very hard, as they said at the yes. beginning. But it's more like you'd have to, like, with the help of other gods, chain them down or diminish their power yeah. or something yeah, like exactly, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I think gods as campaign villains is just, it's a very strong, fla like, it's just very strong focus and flavor. It's not messy at all. Yeah. It's very clear what their goals are, what they want, what they're like, what, what you know, the things that are attributed to them under mm -hmm. their domain and stuff. So I think they make really good, clear villains. Or, like, their yeah. cult, or whatever it is. You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And as much as you can, like, when you're choosing your villain, obviously we're not going to go into that. We have an episode about choosing villains and about good villains. Mm -hmm. But using a villain that ties the players into the world, you know, that's really fitting for the world, makes sense for the world. Yeah. Um. So for each of these, they talk about... Um, <mwah> what, how that god would work as a campaign villain... What kind of villains or monsters stat blocks would be attributed to those villains? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, not that sorry, that god's servants or you know their apostles or whatever. Um, and then also, 
there's like an adventure location map thing. Yeah, before we get there, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Well, it just, it's, yeah. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. So, then it goes into how the gods might help the heroes on their journey. Mm-hmm. It lays out, down some, like, really, like, ground, like, base, like, suggestions, like, oh, like, don't use the gods' intervention to eliminate character choice or the yeah. risk of danger. Uh, do do a deus ex machina, basically. Yeah. yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> or at least don't do it constantly, you know? Yeah, you know. Well, you know, deal with deus ex machina how you should in a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it talks about how the gods might communicate through omens or through spells or the message. You know, doves. Thank you. Sorry, I'm touching the table. The mic's off. Yeah, it, 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 I don't know if you guys are hearing it. I just, I don't, I don't want to risk <laughs> it. Um. Yeah, which is good. I like that they give some basic rules or basic suggestions on how to, in, like, give omens or dreams and visions and how to interpret them for the players. Wait, this is so cool. That's exactly this? what I was looking at, and I was yeah. like, so there's tables for different omens, uh, for the different gods. So it could mm-hmm. be like ghostly whispers, or it could be like, uh. Uh, a grove of trees has perfectly symmetrical configuration. Yeah. The, the sun amount blinks. of detail that they go into to make sure that they give individualized answers for each one of these things, for each god, each one of the yeah. 15 gods, right? Yeah. yeah. They did it with what gains favor, what loses favor, and they're... And we'll see more things. They just give tables for each individual god. I love that commitment. And, and, and also, I think, other than just, like, the fact that it's commitment and it's cool... Mm-hmm. This kind of stuff is really good at immersion and world building and all that kind of stuff for your players. Um, there's just th- this whole book is dripping with flavor, and I love when a setting just has a ton of flavor in it, and just you know tons of tables and stuff with with flavor, and all these things omens on the tables for each of the gods and all that kind of stuff. And not only is it mechanically helpful and also helpful for you know building characters who want to share those mm-hmm. ideals and all that kind of stuff, or you know NPCs even who want to share those ideals and bonds. Um, but just like, just, just the flavor of like how each God might affect the world and just giving specific, a cool, like descriptions and details like that. I think when you use it on your players, it's going to be very immersing. Yes. And it's okay. This is a side tangent, really side tangent. But one of my problems with the paladin, with the, with the divine smite yeah. is that it's always radiant damage, even if it's not fitting for their oath. Mm. Or what they follow, you know? Yeah. Totally different thing, but this. Where the omen fits the god, you know? What the gods might use as a sign. <laughs> I kind of see what you're saying, yeah. And yeah, it's sure, not sure, just sure. like, yeah. you see an angel in a dream for everyone. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of talking about like divination, divine intervention. How to, yeah. What the gods might bless the characters with if they do something yeah, really like cool. Yeah, like Yeah. Uh, okay, miracles. This is all cool. Uh, yeah. It would be a really real bummer. Let me just say it'd be a real bummer if all your characters choose um, like Leonins or characters who don't believe in gods, because this whole book is built on the fact that everyone the is using gods. Leonins are cool furries. Yeah. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's top into an example of this first guy here, Athreos. This is the god of passage. Oh, uh, and just like briefly, it gives oh. into like a brief example of. Oh, what do you, you combat your players with? Use a monster, an NPC with a challenge rating, blah, 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 blah. Wait, what are you talking about? Or an ordeal, whatever that is. Uh, uh, oh, an ordeal oh, whoa, takes whoa, whoa. place I, We totally a, missed that. We uh, totally whoa. skipped past this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Assuming the god deems the hero worthy, the ordeal gets underway. 
They fall into a trance and steps alone into a dreamscape constructed by the Wait, wait there's, there's more to this. There's more to this. There's more to this. Wait. Divine ordeals. Okay. All right. Life is a champion of a god. Offers abundant opportunities to escape life's t tedium. That's a word? Tedium, yeah. Okay. Like, like... Yeah, I know, tedious. like, tedious, but, yeah. like... But a mortal who wants to truly take control of fate can request an ordeal from one of the gods. An ordeal, as the name indicates, is no easy task. To receive one, a candidate must accomplish a at least one near-impossible feat to even make the request. Finding a pathway into the Nyx, which is, like, the god's realm. Yeah. But the reward for triumph is appropriate to the scale of the challenge. So first stage of a divine ordeal is entering the Nyx. So you have to ask this god. No, not a god. Not a god. Not it's a god. like plane shift. Yeah. Kay. So you have to like find a way into the Nyx. Into Nyx. Yeah. Alright. Then you yell out to the god, Hey, I request an ordeal. Uh-huh. And then they're only going to do it to you if you're worthy. Like Thor. And then you do the ordeal, which is a single encounter. Not mm -hmm. a combat encounter per se, but it could be a combat with one creature, multiple creatures, or ability checks. Yeah. And the reward could be things like a miracle, as they detail earlier, a supernatural gift, like the gifts you choose uh, when you're creating characters, or a magic item of rarity appropriate to the character's level. Okay. Here's my problem with this. What? This just focuses on one player. So everyone's going to be sitting around. It's cool for that one player. And that's fine. Like, you can have that every once in a while. But I just don't like things which um, make everyone else sit around while the GM and one player do things. Um, anywho. Cool. All right. Athreos. Uh, so we have uh, a D6 table, uh, six different goals of adventures that he might assign. Yes. This is for each one of the 15 gods that yeah. have these. And then a description on what he would be like as a, uh, a camp an Athreos campaign. So that might be, like, around, like, following a goal given by Athreos. If he's kind of, like, your main... Yeah, the main... Quest giver. Main dude. Yeah. Focused around him and, and his intentions and all this kind of stuff. Then at uh, D6 table of the the kind of um, minions he'd have, the kind of piece, people who would follow him. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just give, like, the stat block that you would use. It also gives, like, the description of what they want, yes. what they do. And then gives a... Um, list of monsters that Athreos might use if he's working against you or you working for you, whatever, that you might come into contact with Yeah. when dealing with him. Okay, then what he would be like as a campaign villain, then his divine schemes. schemes. These are campaign hooks and ideas oh. like underlying. That's sick. Also a nice Raymond Swanland yes. art piece, one of the best yes. artists in the world. That's sick. Um, okay, then we go to his little... Okay, so then e there's a lo little location tied to each uh, god. And it comes with a map, a description of an adventure that could happen in that location. This is the same with Ravnica. So in Ravnica, there's ten distinct guilds. In each guild, uh, in the chapter where it's like creating adventures, one mm. of them is like creating adventures based on the guild. It's very similar to this. Yeah. What are some adventures that guild might assign? What are the kind of minions that guild would use? What 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 would that uh, guild be like as the campaign villain? That that guild as a campaign villain, and then here is a build a map of a building or like a location tied to that guild. Whether it's you know a, a temple or a police station or whatever it was, um, and then he, within like for this location, this specific map here mm -hmm. that you might commonly find attributed to this uh, um, guild, what kind of adventures could happen in here? Um, and so that's really cool. Yeah, and these maps are. 
way bigger and better than those maps. <laughs> the kind of villains that you might encounter in this kind of area. In that area, yeah. So sick. So cool. And they do this for each all one. 15. Each one of these gods. That's nuts. That is nutso. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, there's so many of these. And these are big maps. Some of these are multi-layered yeah, maps. Are big boy maps. Big boy maps. Like, look at Perforos's one. Look at this. That's crazy. It's big. Whoa, it's like a whole lava temple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so th this is pretty awesome. I love... Oh, art. I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Magic the Gathering. Sorry. Just a little, yeah. <laughs> so many times, you're just like, ooh, art, and you guys are just like... Sick, that's, uh, that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah, just buy this book for the art. Um, <laughs> and this is a huge map, too. I know. Yeah, guys, this is um, uh, this is awesome. Um, I mean, okay, if I was a DM, this I mean, we're not going to go through every single one of these. We've, we've given a base description of like what each yes. part is like, but just breaking this down, um, is this... Oh, no, we're not done, actually, with creating adventures yet. So never mind. This is just everything you need for God-based adventures. Yes. But uh, there's another section for uh, more information on adventures. So let's let's go through that, and then let's talk about this chapter in, in the whole. <sighs> Nautical adventures. adventures. Okay, and then it's, like, an example of, like, the, the one of the three, like, main texts um, is, like, the Odyssey, essentially, of, like, a group of sailors yes. on a ship. That's not the Odyssey. I mean, kind of. Anyway, a group of sailors on a ship, and they went on a bunch of uh, adventures. And then it's saying, uh, you know, how to run your own nautical adventures. Mm -hmm. um, what, nautical like? adventures are very uh, core to Greco-Roman mythology and, mm. and stories. Um, you know, obviously with yeah. the um, Jason and the Argonauts and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I couldn't remember. I was about to say it, but I couldn't remember what. I couldn't remember Argonauts. I was like, Jason and the astronauts. <laughs> um, Jason and, and the, the astronauts. Yeah, so just talking about what you might uh, do on the sea, the adventures you, you have on the sea. Mm -hmm. Or it's like getting lost. Um, Maintaining relationships with your significant other. For some reason. In real life. Uh, <laughs> this gives you like, <laughs> just like relationship, relationship advice. advice. <laughs> the, that's the last chapter of the book. Is like, now how do you relationship reconnect with your actual real life friends? <laughs> uh, marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Oh, it talks about like mystical, financial advisors, mystical islands, what the environment of the island might be like, the inhabitants Ooh. of the island might be like, some of the magical properties. Maybe it's all covered in pigs, mm -hmm. or it's like out of time. Time is like doesn't, you know, what's it? Time doesn't flow. Flow there. Yeah. Uh, and then going underwater. Twelve different adventure hooks for why you might want to go underwater. Not hooks, sorry, but like. Uh, Goals. Yeah. Plots. Ideas. Yeah. And then going then into... It does the same thing for the underworld. Uh, it lays out what happens when you die. And lays out the process of a soul being taken to the underworld. Crossing the river. Yeah, it goes through a whole description of how death works and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, how to escape the underworld, because that's obviously a, a cool yeah. story idea. Um. <laughs> Gives several different like ways. Twenty different uh, underworld adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these really cool. Um, once again, these are just one sentence, so you're gonna have to actually build these adventures. They're not built mm -hmm. for you, beyond just a sentence of what the adventure is like about or what the goal is or whatever. 
but still, gosh, the art. Um, but still, great. You know, I, I, I'm not asking for a book to give me a, a campaign, right? That's what a yes. campaign book's for. Um, however, Gabe, would you like that for a campaign scene that came out that they also came out with, like, an adventure with it? Yeah. Like a, you know, like a Out of the Abyss or something like that. Yeah, I would love that. Like, I think that needs to... I think that would... Not like I think that'd make people buy it more. Yes, exactly. Honestly, I think I think it would draw people to it more, because a lot of people live off of just those books, those adventure modules and mm-hmm. stuff, um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to create your own campaigns or adventures and stuff. That's yeah, it totally takes fine. a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. That's totally fine. Um, but like, they can't really do stuff with books like these, you know, because they, it's not a premium adventure that they can just run. Yeah. They don't have to plan for it if they're really busy or whatever. So even though they're like, oh, Theros is really cool, but they can't do anything about it. And I think if they released, I don't know if it has to be that big, but it could also just be that big of yeah, a... but sure, that is something to ask. You know, it's, a, yeah. it's a big, that's, that's a, that's a a big ask. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, release this whole different source book, whole different mm-hmm. setting, detail all this stuff, and make a yeah. large adventure for it. Yeah. But... It would, would make dope. it more attractive. I think yes. it would make it more attractive, honestly. Uh, Wizards, here's marketing advice. I'm kidding. Um, no, but... I think it would make it more attractive. I think that'd be really cool. Um, however, it looks like there's a story. This is for a, a small little short adventure. Okay, just a first level adventure. Yeah, first to second level. Of four to six characters. And gives a brief overview of it. So there is a small one in oh, here. Oh, that's if you're really looking cool. for something to get they into. They didn't it. have that in uh, a lot of the other uh, campaign settings, like Ramek or anything. Hmm. I think they should. Like, if you can't, like, put a big. Oh no no they do they do they do they have Cranko. Oh okay okay. Oh no no sorry 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 they they do have a little adventure. So it outlays an adventure, which I'm not gonna spoil, but it's also just a first level adventure. So that's cool. Is it good? Have you read through it? I haven't read through all of it. No. Okay. I mean, it just it just looks like a a good old little uh, D and D first level adventure. Yeah. Um. Little 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 battle maps and all right. And here, stuff. Here's an, a, a summary yeah. of it. The adventures. The adventure begins with the characters discovering a recently murdered returned, which is someone who comes back from the dead. Yeah. Varius and confronting his killers. Varius's gold mask bears a code on it, one that points towards the sage Kea, who lives by the near. This is you're just course. reading the summary of the whole adventure. This is not the basics. Huh? You're reading the summary. Yeah. So that's what oh, sure, happens that, in that the is, adventure. Sure, that's spoilers. Yeah. Um, uh, hey guys, it's he didn't hear any of that. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, and then, um, so it's a cool little uh, first level adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bet it'd be a great way to probably start your campaign off. Um, get everyone used to the world, including you as a DM. Uh, once again, we we haven't read through it. This is my first time looking at this book. I assume it's good. They make good adventures. <laughs> I assume it's cool. <laughs> uh, it seems also pretty open worldly. Um, it seems like you have quite a lot of options. Yeah, there, which is which is cool. Um, then at the end of it, what's really cool is um, it gives little prompts like how you could continue the story. Yeah, like some mystery boxes that they set up in the um, in the, in the adventure and, and stuff like that. That's okay, a decent amount of like info yeah. here for yeah. just a first level. Yeah, adventure. there's a lot of he- lot uh, st- a lot of stuff here for just a first level adventure. It's a chonker. <laughs> Um, what? So that's chapter four. Mm-hmm. Creating Theros Adventures. Gabe, thoughts? I like it. I really like it. Yeah. As I've said a million times, ooh, 
uh, I love the detail that they go into, the dedication to making sure that they tailor each of these random tables to the individual god so that it really connects you to the world and to the gods and make, makes the gods unique, you know? Makes them different from each other. Yeah. Make sure that you know their personality if you follow them. They aren't just this nameless divine being. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really like sections like this. Um, as, as me, I, I love creating adventures. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but one Good, part that's hard for me is uh, definitely like if I have to world build alongside creating adventures. And I already love this world. This is just so cool. Um, I mean, if, if you love like Greco-Roman things, like this is just like you're yeah. gonna play in this world. Like it, it, it's awesome. Um, and I, this looks very helpful. There's so much information here um, for like each of the fifteen gods and stuff. Plus adventures uh, on on the sea, underwater, in the underworld. Um, there's a little starting first off, uh, first level adventure and all that kind of stuff. It's cool. I really like it. Um, I really like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, is will there ever be enough? You know, of course, I'd always love more, but it seems like what they have here is definitely adequate enough. Um, and I think you're going to win and you're going to succeed by pulling on the gods. I think that's how you as a, a DM are going to really... Um, make some killer adventures, really make some awesome stories. Um, just really pull on that, the, the, the fact that there's gods in the world and all the information they have on them. Um, use their, like, goals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would say, uh, me personally, I think the thing that, that sticks out to me immediately, um, like the kind of adventure, the kind of campaign you're going to create, is um, political uh, when it comes to the gods. There's, mm-hmm. I think the story is going to have a... Of course, the first thing you think is politics. Yeah. I love politics in <laughs> D&D, you guys. No, like, seriously, I love tabletop RPG politics. Um, I think it's really fun and like, navigating the course and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, at the start of every game we play, he sits us down and talks about our political views. <laughs> Imagine. On birth, like, local, national, and international <laughs> laws, politics, you know, the, the like, you know, as, as of course, like, every DM does. <laughs> Every good DM talks about politics at the start of the sessions. Uh, I wish I did. Um, no, but I, I think my my but the the main backdrop of the campaign mm-hmm. is politics between the gods, and I think the heroes you know adventuring for the gods, having to figure out like if is their god moral like are they doing the right thing, having to choose allegiances and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Playing the party against themselves as well depends on the group. If they're already a, a group that wants like likes to fight, have infighting, I wouldn't do that because <laughs> I don't want to tear apart the party. Um, but I think that'd be I think that'd be really interesting. Okay, I mean if they do like infighting, this could be a way to facilitate that <laughs> reasoning. I guess, it. I guess, I guess. All right, I just don't want to encourage it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. All right, uh, Gabe's favorite chapter. All right, magic items. This is not my favorite chapter. The next one is. I said this isn't my favorite. Oh. Oh, I, I love it. I, anyway. I just really like it. Yeah, no. I okay, like it. so magic items. One of the things that it stresses in this chapter is that items have history. This world is full of history yeah. and legend. Yeah. So, even like a typical plus one spear is gonna have a story attached to it. You know, it yeah, might be carried so cool. by a legendary hoplite that did this and that, yeah. this and that, and the characters might learn that just by like being around it or something. Story and legend is tied into this world. At its very core. So, that's a great way to reward your players and give you more info and flavor about the world by just giving them a small little magic item that just has a little bit, little boon on it 
Yeah. We can attach a story to it that's because that's fitting. It's fitting for this world. Yeah, and there's D12 table for the origin of that, the, mm-hmm. the possible origin of that weapon or why it's special or whatever. I think yes. this is really cool because magic items in D&D are awesome. When you get a magic item, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's also lame. <laughs> Um, so doing this and make giving each weapon a story or, you know, item, not just weapon, but like item, a story and stuff. Yeah. Is really cool. It makes magic items cooler. Cause like, sure. A plus one long sword is cool, but a plus one long sword that's been in numerous battles that you learn the history of is when you pick it up. Yeah. That's a lot cooler. One thing that'd be really cool is like if you tie weapon to gods or, or, or like heroes or whatever. Which we were and then like we we're gonna get into. Like when you um attune to the weapon, you have like a vision of like the history and like the, the soldiers it was wielded yeah. by or whatever, like or like the scholars that you like that I think that'd be so sick. Okay. Oh my gosh, the first fl- the first magic item is flying chariot. Mm-hmm. Of course there's a flying chariot. Of course there's a flying chariot in the setting. Yeah. There better be a great. flying chariot. All right. So then, and then he also talks about chariots. In, yes. In the game. And how to like ride them. And, and the dopest flying chariot art piece. That's really sick. I mean, there's not a lot of flying chariot art pieces, but uh, <laughs> uh, just you know the the scene at the end of Greece, probably. All um, right. Next one is Helm of the Gods, which is a helm of the gods. No way. Yes. So based on what god. Oh my! I did silence my phone. Things just vibrating. I'll turn on airplane mode. There we go. Sorry for that, guys. So, based on what god this helm is uh, uh, connected to? Connected to, yes. You gain this spell that you can cast um, with one charge. You have three charges. Recharge one to three charges. That's no, on. you choose the god every time you. Oh, you choose the god. I thought it was finish a long rest. You can pray to one of the gods. That's pretty cool. And you get to store one of the uh, the appropriate spell. Hmm. Um, I guess just two healing every time. Okay. Because it's Guiding Bolt. No, I'm kidding. It was really good. But one has, like, Identify and Tangle, like, cool, yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It really, like, ties in this idea of you can worship a lot of the gods. Yeah. And that's what people do in this world, you know? Yeah, I, I just like that it just solidifies and makes the gods even more and more different and distinct and unique. Um, because they each have like a different spell attached to them and stuff. Mm-hmm. So cool, molten bronze yes. skin. So this appears as a jug of molten bronze that you, I assume, pour over yourself and it uh, molds to your body. That's so cool. Doesn't because like like the like uh you know the Greek Roman like hoplite armor like, yeah. has like the pecs and the abs like <laughs> carved out. Release in pop culture, it does. Yeah. Uh. It can be worn under normal clothes. That's really cool. I really like this. It's like a second skin, essentially. Yeah. The Doesn't pic- impede bodily functions, you know? Pixis of Pandemonium. They had to mention that. <laughs> but it doesn't impede bodily functions. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you were, you get your table got into an argument about peeing in the uh, liquid, in armor. liquid armor. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay, and then there's like a chaotic, you know, uh, it's, it's it's Pandora, Pandora's okay, box. Yeah. Before they have like this potion they, of aqueous form where you can like gain a couple of effects all in this form or like swimming speed and can talk underwater or whatever. Never mind. Sling Never bullets. mind. You can't. You can't. Uh, okay. And then there's like some slings and stuff. Okay. Artifacts. These are like the legendary items. 
the legendary artifacts. Um, in the DMG... Oh, wait, sorry. Before we yeah. move on, the Pixis of Pandemonium, the, the Pandora's box, yeah. is kind of cool. It's a Okay, I didn't really think so. So, when a creature touches it for a minute, it gains the benefit of a short rest. Wow. Yes. That creature also gains the effects of the Bless spell until the creature finishes a short or long rest. The creature can't gain benefits until it finishes a long rest. You can't gain these benefits again to, until it finishes a long rest. Great. Really cool. It seems like, oh, wow, this is a really good item. Yeah. All right. Then asks this thing, like, what happens if the vessel is opened? And we'll get into that. There's a whole table of what things can happen. So, you're like, okay, bad things happen if I open it. Why would I open it? If you gain the benefit of the short rest using this item, then you get this curse upon you, essentially. You start hearing these telepathic whispers. And they have to make a wisdom saving throw. And on a fail, it's charmed by the vessel. And the charmed creature does everything it can to open up the this vessel. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we can't skip over this. It's like, this this is cool. the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen. So it's like, you know, if you can find a way to tie yourself down, mm-hmm. or like, you know how uh, in, in the story, how he puts like wax in his ears when they fly past the sirens. Yeah, kind yeah. Of, kind of do that to yourself. Um, tie yourself to the mast, uh, you know, per se. Um, but that, that that's so cool. And then when you open it, it's, you cast maze on everyone. It summons shadow demons. Cast insect plague, my favorite. Otto's, oh goodness! Otto's irresistible. We just had PTSD dance. from our campaign where a player cast insect plague without really thinking it through and uh, made the encounter very. <laughs> everyone was just getting insected. Yeah, uh, because it's a very Insected? big space. <laughs> insect plague is a big space. It's a very large AOE. All right, I really like this magic item. It's really cool. What is this? All right, so. Now we're getting into artifacts. Yeah, so these artifacts are, like the are artifacts of the gods. Yeah. There's one attached to each god. However, they only include five. Which, while sad, we don't get one attached to each of the 15 gods. There are 15 gods, and that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, if the god that you really want to make an artifact for isn't here, it gives like some base ideas of what you can work it's, off of. It's how the artifacts work in the DMG with like major and minor beneficial properties and yes, that kind of stuff with a couple special things. Um, yes, what I really like is that it ties in the piety score. Remember back to our oh, last yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Characters, if they are worshiping a god, their main god, they can gain a, a piety score with them based by doing good things that they like. That the god finds good, or you know, doing quests for the god. Based on your piety score, if you have an artifact from that god, you can gain different benefits. Yeah, that yeah, the higher. Um, also, all these items are also magic cards, and they're all very strong. Um, these are all like the <laughs> most like iconic magic items, um, or, like artifacts, in the game. Um, just I mean, based on like Magic the Gathering and stuff, they're really powerful. They're, you give them to them at the you know, last few levels as they're you know getting ready to fight the last guard, you know, the last. Um, villains or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're just really broken. So like, whatever. I don't care. They're really good. Yeah, it's just whatever. They're really cool. You want like your players will love to get them. Just save it till eighteenth level. Um, <laughs> also, I like this little thing that they tie in at the end of each one of these artifacts is how to destroy this artifact. Because that oh, might yeah. be what a campaign is like based around or adventure based around. Like, oh, destroying this god's artifact, which is being used for evil purposes. Yeah. So, and each one of these to destroy each one, it takes so much. It takes so much oh to my destroy gosh. each one of these That's things. That's super cool, though. I really like that. Yeah. So, for, like, this bow, for example. This bow can't be destroyed until it's 
without first destroying all of its arrows. It has like four different arrows that are tied to each one of the seasons. Which is really cool because when you fire each different one, it does a different mm-hmm. thing. So you have to destroy the winter arrow in a specific way. So destroy the spring arrow, the summer arrow, the autumn arrow in a specific way. Like, a very specific. Sp- yeah. The autumn arrow must be shot into the carcass of Hydra on the autumn equinox. Then, once you've destroyed all of them... Yeah. And you have to do it in a specific order. Uh, yeah, okay, they're really cool, and the art's beautiful. Okay. Oh, my Great. goodness. Treasures, not a lot of treasures. I think I was getting confused with the other book that you really like the treasures of, which was uh, the Matthew Mercer's one. Ota. Okay. The best chapter. I'm just kidding. I haven't read this book. Um, Friends and Foes. This is all the NPC stats that you're going to need. Horrifying opening art. That's just yes. terrifying. This horrifying... Uh... Well, this version of Arachnia. Yeah, the, the yeah. Theros Arachnia is named Arasta. Ooh, Ooh. different. Arasta of the Endless Web. Wow. wonder what she's um, like. So it talks about kind of Nyx-born monsters, which are like monsters sent by the gods. They're like or legendary, created like, nightmarish. Just as the gods were created. Yeah, they're just like nightmarish, like crazy, cos- not cosmic, but like pretty mm-hmm. powerful gods. And there's like a table of different traits you can apply to them. Like all their weapon attacks are magical. Or they have advantage, uh, you know, magic resistance or whatever. And this is a great way to introduce monsters from other books, other sources, and make them a little bit more attuned to this world. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a lot, like, uh, I'm thinking of, like, the Star Spawn and some of the cause, more cosmic aberrations and stuff from, like, Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of, like, explain them in here with these kinds of things. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool monsters out there. Of course, there's also uh, stats for regular uh, monsters and also how to translate uh, certain monsters. Yes. From the monster manual, like what um, what dragons are in this world, or what cyclopses are like in this world, or basilisks, mm-hmm. um, and nadir krakens, which are like crab krakens, which are terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stats here, a bunch of different things, how to adapt these creatures into this world, and then jumps in, into its own bestiary. Which has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, a bunch of creatures. A lot. Yes. Like 30, maybe? Perhaps, yeah. Um, uh, a couple, uh, uh, quite a few creature types as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so let's hop in here. Amphisbena is a two-headed serpent. Uh, okay, cool. It's boring. Anvil rot are like I almost said robots, like uh constructs. Like, constructs, yeah. Like metal constructs made by uh, you know. The dude. Uh no nothing seems spectacular here. Burnished heart, of course, classic card. Um yeah. Perforos, Perforos. That's Yeah, Perforos is the yeah. the guy of the forge. Um you know creatures, stats. Cool art. Uh, uh, yeah, beautiful art, of course. Um here's the thing. D&D stats, once you've seen them, you've seen them all. Um, yeah. It's, look, look, it's hard. You can't make every single monster unique or whatever. and But that's fine. But for people like us who've just played for a very long time, all the monsters are, are just very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stat blocks are very similar. You might as well just, like, make your own. They're, like, so many stat blocks are just so close to being the same. That it's like you're just wasting your time making these step blocks. Um, just because they're basically... It's very similar to another step block, which you can just use and change a bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like this archon actually is really cool but it's challenge rating 12 so it's you know it's pretty powerful um you know but it's just mm, there's not a lot of new like mechanics or yes. systems or anything so far however, however once we get to the end after you know beautiful art like, beautiful yeah, art beautiful art the stat box are fine as far as I've read. I haven't seen anything too broken or whatever. It, it just, too... It's just bore. It's, it's just, just, it's it's just yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's basic. One cool thing to shout out before we get into the end oh, of this yeah. is hydras. Sorry, chimeras. Why can't I speak? Chimeras in this world are different from just the normal basic chimera. You can choose the body composition of the chimera, and based off of like what creature you choose for its head and body... You can get like different attacks to do different things. Yeah, so so if you don't know what a chimera is, a chimera is a Greek creature, a mythological creature, which has like the body of like a lion. Mm -hmm. It has a lion head, a ram head, and a dragon head, and its tail is a snake, which is terrifying. Yes, <laughs> that the a tail can bite you. Um, it looks like goat head, lion head, dragon head. I believe like different versions of it like throughout like yeah yeah but basically there's like always like three heads and then the tail is like a, a serpent and like yeah. the back and it has wings also like bat wing like huge dragon bat wings mm -hmm. and it has its front paws are lion but it's back they have like hooves mm -hmm. it's like a big mashup creature yeah um but instead of just regular chimera stuff you roll on these tables or you can choose you mm -hmm. can build your own but you roll on these tables and you can decide what its yeah. body is made up of. Okay, so what its body, you get this thing. Based on what heads it has, it has these attacks. Yeah. Based on what, what kind of stuff it can breathe. Mm -hmm. Tail attacks. Ooh, cool. shark tail. <laughs> that, that's really shark cool. Tail. Ooh, now, that, this is what we're talking about when we want fresh, new creatures. Like, this is really cool. Yes. I would love a combat against, like... I mean, these things are pretty strong. So, like, higher level combat against, like, three of these, and they're all different. Mm -hmm. Like, they that would are, be super interesting. seven. Like, that would be super interesting. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like three different, you have to adapt to all their different attacks and stuff. I, that that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then of course there's the Colossus, just the biggest metal boy. Yeah, big metal boy. Big metal boy. Pretty cool. I just love how like he has spear and sword attacks, but like his spear and sword are so big. If you get hit with that, you're just dead. There's no like it either misses you hey, or kills hey, you. Hey, hey, hey. This is this is fantasy. <laughs> I mean, come on. That huge spear, that's a huge spear. Yeah. That, that, if it misses you, great. If it hits you, you're dead. <laughs> okay. Um, I do, okay. I do have a small problem with how low hit points creatures have yeah, in D&D. &D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like a lot of demons. Uh, it, mm. it does seem like there's a lot of pretty high challenge rating stuff. Yeah. Like five and up, which is good because, um, a lot of things, uh, don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there are a couple, like, uh, stat blocks for, like, NPCs, like Hoplite soldiers and, and, yes. and you know, humans that you can use uh, generally just around the world. Mm. Oh, there's a sick giant. It's called the Doomake Giant that's, like, born out oh. of dread and, like, fear. Yeah. So if a certain, like, city is, like, f filled with that, then it might, like, literally, like, be born out of thought. Like, just like the, go the gods in this world were born out of thought and belief and hope, those certain, those same powers can be used, can just happen to create something horrible instead. Yeah. Thoughts and, like, hope and prayer is really powerful in this world. Yeah, um, that's really cool. Also, there's a couple different uh, hoplites, which are, like, Greek soldiers. Yeah. Um, for the different, like, cities. Um, they have really different cool. stat blocks and different, like, abilities. Like, some can cast spells. 
some are good at like at, at teamwork um some are good alone stuff like that um that that that's also really cool uh there's different kind of like hydras and okay there's actually quite a lot there's a lot in here actually there's way more than i thought okay that doesn't matter cool stat blocks you can find them you can look at them they're really cool just we just just get it for the art honestly yes now right. we can't break down all of them obviously yeah but now, now be into the juicy juicy i eat that lunch all right. Natural beauty. Okay. Um, <laughs> mythic monsters. Guys. Say it with me, guys. Mythic, mythic monsters. monsters. One more time. Mythic monsters. This is the kind of crap we want to see in new D&D books. Yes. This is the next evolution of high end of campaign monsters. Yeah. This is the next evolution of that. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's not just high campaign monsters. Yes, the examples here are high campaign monsters. But you can take this concept True. and apply it to... And, because here's the thing. It's very rare your campaign will get up that high. Let's be honest. Yes. Most campaigns, you know, get up to 17th to 20th level. Where you'll have the magic items and the abilities. Like, yeah. you, you like all those artifacts we talked about, a lot of these monsters, definitely these mythic monsters, the amount of times they'll be actually used in a game are just so, so, like, 0.001%, yes. 0. 0. Point, two points in there, 1% uh, chance... <laughs> That these are going to appear in your game because you're going to have a campaign that lasts that long. Um, but you can take what we're about to talk about here, these mythic monsters, which they give three stat blocks for. But take this new mythic monster system and apply it to any monster of any challenge rating. Yes. So what are we talking about? What's the mythic monster system? The easiest way to explain it is Dark Souls. Yeah. These creatures have stages. Yeah. So in Dark Souls, when you defeat one health bar they aren't dead yet they just go into the next stage where they might gain different actions i'm gonna say it's a mixture between dark souls and shadow of the colossus because sure. uh it, it can be but dark souls in the sense that when you fight a big boss in dark souls um after you die to its basic attacks a couple hundred times <laughs> you finally get to the point where you kill it yay psych it's not dead mm -hmm. it then transforms into another creature or like you know it goes super sane <laughs> uh, into it. it goes into its next evolution. Yes. Um, and that's what mythic monsters are. So, let's look at Arasta, which is the Arachne uh, mm -hmm. creature. Uh, they look like a, a, a drider, kind of. Um, and keep in mind, before you throw this at your players, like, this, like, the base monster, this Arasta monster, its base challenge rating is 21. And it says to treat it, if you're doing a mythic monster, it's like they're, because they recharge all their hit points... Sometimes get more. They have these new actions. It's like fighting two challenge rating 21 monsters. Yeah. So, just keep Be that careful. in mind. The challenge rating does not always mean that, um... So, but it has a cool stat block, whatever. Yes. Like, a cool stat block, but... But... You can mythic it up, so it has a mythic trait. It recharges after a short or long rest. This is, like, a little trait in the, in the trait, trait box that you can add if you'd like. Yes. You would. I mean, you got yeah, it. Yeah. So, you want to read out this one? Yes. Armor of Spiders. If Arasa re is reduced to zero hit points, she doesn't die or fall unconscious. Instead, she regains 200 hit points. She has 300 max, by the way. Yes. In addition, Arasa's children immediately swarm over her body to protect her, granting her 100 temporary hit points. So, it's kind of like she made it back all her hit points. Um, now, this is not crazy. No. This is not spectacular. This is not interesting. But it's basically like... Now all the child, like all these, all the children, all like these little spiders, like crawl over her. Mm -hmm. uh, it's cool, like flavor wise. 
Yes. And like they thought, because you're like, she's bloody. You know, like, like you describe the way like, they're wearing her down, all of a sudden she's back, baby. Mm. Um, that's a really boring one, but that's essentially what it is. That's not just uh, what the mythic trait means, though. Yes, yes, there's that. But there's also additional things called mythic actions, which are kind of like legendary actions. Yes. So essentially, they each one of these creatures has their legendary actions that they can yeah, take. Yeah, as normal. But once they reach this stage... Then they get more options, essentially. Yep. Which are just more powerful options. Yeah, new new and more powerful legendary action options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really cool. So it is kind of like you're fighting a different stage. Because mm-hmm. not just like, okay, they regain hit points, we just have to kill them over again. It's like, but they also yes. get new powers and stuff. My one gripe with this system is yeah. that I just wish they had taken it further. Like, I want to see just, like, completely different... That might necess- yeah. not necessarily fit with these specific three. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, I, I think it's enough to understand how it works and do your own, in my yes, opinion. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then it gives a little, like, uh, a concept on how you could use the encounter, like how you yes. make build a mythic encounter using that creature. Okay, the next one is Hythonia, which is like a snake lady. She's like ultimate Medusa. Yes. Her uh, mythic trait is called Shed Skin. If she's reduced to zero hit points, she doesn't die or fall unconscious. Instead, she sheds her skin. That's cool flavor-wise, mm-hmm. describing that. Like, that's so sick. Regains 199 hit points, which is her max, and moves up to her speed without provoking opportunity attacks. And then she now gets um, access to some of these cool mythic legendary action things. Um, yeah, so she's like this Medusa snake person. She's like the body of a snake, essentially. And so when you, like, break through it, it, it like... She sheds her skin. Like a snake. Yeah. yeah. That's super cool. But once She's again, not, it's, it's not too spectacular, honestly. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, the cool, like the first moment is really cool for the players and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but, but the combat doesn't change too much. That's fine. I don't need it to change too much. Um, I mean, me personally, our group would, would you know, we've been playing d for a long time. We, we mm-hmm. want fresh new stuff in our, in our games. So I love this concept, but I would take it much further in, in my bosses. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Now we get into the big boy. This is the big boy Kraken. The Kraken of all Krakens. Yeah. This is Tromocratis. Krakens in this world, like, <laughs> they're like, all chained down to the, or er, chained down to like, the sea in a like, specific area. Like, they can only live and go around in that certain area of the ocean. But sometimes they break free, or and when they break free, they might go and try and conquer another area in the ocean. Yeah. This boy is the. Big boy conqueror of all, essentially. <laughs> He's just, like, the scariest, most massive Kraken mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so he is pretty strong. Yes. Just looking at his stat block. Mm-hmm. And he has the best mythic trait. By far. It's so sick. This is what I said, Shadow of the Colossus. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hearts of the Kraken. What is it? Okay, when Tromo Cortis is reduced to zero hit points, it doesn't die or fall unconscious. Instead, the damage creates cracks in its carapace. Revealing its hearts. Tromocortis has four hearts. Two on its chest, one on its back, and one at the base of its tail. A heart has an AC of 22 and 100 hit points. It is immune to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks, and it is immune to all conditions. If the heart is ever forced to make a saving throw, treat its ability scores as 10. If it finishes a shorter long rest, the carapace heals, any destroyed hearts regenerate, and the hearts are covered again. Tromocortis dies when all the hearts are destroyed. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, so here's what's sick about this. It's not another grind fest. He doesn't regain hit points. 
He doesn't get any more hit points. Attacking him doesn't do anything now. You have to specifically seek out on his massive, like he's huge, which is why he's, I shadowed the Yeah, he's gargantuan. You, you like you're you're running over his body, like you're you're traveling him like a map, like a battle map. Um, you have to get to the different hearts, like probably like split up, get to the different hearts, attack all of them, kill all of them. Each of these hearts has an AC of twenty two and a hundred hit points. That's this crazy. Is crazy, and I love this. He, I was saying like I should have taken it further. This is what they should have done. Yeah, because this is not just regaining hit points. Yeah, it's not oh, just regaining so hit points cool. and fight it again. Now it has a couple extra mythic actions. It's that, but it just changes the encounter. Yeah. that It just changes the goal. Yeah, it's not just grind. Once again, you just grind yeah. fast. It's now you have to travel over its body. Find the different... I don't even know how you fight this thing, honestly. Because also, like, it's in the water. Like, I just don't even know how you kill this thing. <laughs> but that's really cool. And that's really, like... Not only is it, like, Shadow Classes, because you're... You know, yeah. the boss is the, the battle map. But also, like, it's very cool and original and interesting. It changes the, the, the direction of the battle. This is the kind of stuff that, I you know, that I want to adapt to my creatures. Mm-hmm. And once again, all of these examples are very, you know, these are very powerful creatures. These are very you're not going to face these till you're, like, 20th level. Um, and this guy, with mythic actions, counts as C- two CR26 creatures. <laughs> <laughs> which is just insane oh my gosh which is 180,000 XP <laughs> um, my goodness right yeah so great I love this I love it I, I love mythic actions mm-hmm. and I think it's it's really cool concept that you can take and translate even down to first few levels boss battles mm-hmm. honestly um, I don't think you should overuse it yeah but I think it's really cool for that boss battle at the end of that, like, plot arc. And this is what D&D monsters need. Yeah. They need these new mechanics that you can introduce, they can adapt to your players, adapt to your setting, that just make the encounters interesting again. Yeah. Um, like, they, this is, like, upgrade on how, uh, you know, um, oozes, like, split. That mm, one ooze mm-hmm. that splits. It's kind of like that. Because um, that's, that's really cool. That's like, changes the direction of the battle and stuff. Um, it's just, combat and D&D can very easily become just a grind fest where everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. But I think this kind of shakes things up. It makes a cool of, like, event happen in the middle of the battle. You know, it kind of disrupts the monotonous gameplay or whatever it mm-hmm. can. It can change the direction of the, um, game. If you want to go really far, like, you can make, like, two different stat blocks, honestly, like, and then it turns kind of into yeah, this could. now. Um, or make the mythic actions, because these mythic actions are all honestly pretty boring. Um. It's just, like, a little more powerful. I think powerful. actions in general are just kind of boring. Most of them are just, like, make two of these attacks. Yeah, it's just, like, better legendary actions. But, um, yeah. I, I really like it, and I want to adapt it to lots of monsters. Mm-hmm. I think adapting it to the bosses, the, you know, the, the main villains of, like, each of your plot arcs or whatever. <gasps> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. We're just looking at art again. The, the wow. alt art cover. The alt art cover. I'm going to have to save that and post it on the Discord server because, my goodness, <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, even the base cover art yeah. is beautiful, but that, holy crap. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you guys could tell, but we really like the art, and the art's really the good art. in this book. All right, now we're going to read through the credits. The designers, F. Wesley Snyder, James Wyatt. Designers, uh, so I love it. Gabe. Yes. Final thoughts. Mythic Odysseys of Theros. I... Okay, I'm just biased because I love Greco-Roman mythology. Yeah, me too. And I love settings built around it. 
all in all, I think this is really great. They made some great strides with changing up how D&D is played, even if just like in small bits with the uh, supernatural gifts, with the piety system, with how encounters work fighting mythic creatures, mm. with adding a bit more choice and a bit more specificity to worshipping gods and following rules in your world. I really love the setting, really love this book. I, as always, I just want more. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but I think it has enough. Yes, it definitely has enough. I think it's worth it if you're interested in this. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. It's, it's just cool, bro. It's just it's cool, bro. Uh, I really I really like it. I, I once again I am biased as well because I like Greco Roman mythology and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I just finished playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey like a couple months ago, and also saw it like on that high. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, it's cool. I like the new kind of god system and stuff. Um, it seems like they learned a lot from Ravnica, and it seems like it, it's the the way that you implement these different mm-hmm. systems and stuff is gonna yeah. work better than Ravnica. Once again, we haven't played anything from this Theros stuff yet. We might. We might. We might do an actual play uh, for uh, Theros, like we're doing on Welcome Spirits. Uh, we're not sure yet. Um, once again, I haven't seen any of this stuff in action. Would uh, would love to though. Um, it it seems pretty cool. Uh, it seems like they've kind of found their 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 rhythm and their groove, and they're building yeah. on what I think what they're learning. That's really great. Um, here are the things I want to see. Amenket, do one of Amenket. I know they're not going to do that. I love my favorite uh, like ancient civilization is Egypt, and that's based on ancient Egyptian. I I want to I I love I love that setting. I think that's a v- okay. they definitely need to they and definitely need to. second. Uh, that's biased for me though, but I think what would be the most loved is Innistrad. Um, because what's the easily, easily the most renowned and loved D and D fifth edition module adventure? Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd. Yeah, you know Curse of Strahd. You know Gothicore. What like? But you want more. You mm-hmm. want to build a world. You don't want to do Curse of Strahd or whatever. Innistrad, the Magic the Gathering plane of Innistrad is so cool there's so much in that world um also the art of of that set, of those sets are is, is insane um that's that's a really different setting yes because theros fits really good into D because it's about legendary heroes and mom you know slaying monsters and stuff mm-hmm. which i love i like that it complements the setting yes uh, i mean i mean the system um in Astrad, not that it i don't think it would be ruined by the fact that you're using D for it um but i think it would be super interesting it's it's quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people want to build those gothic horror campaigns and stuff. Look, they're doing they're releasing these books along with the new magic sets, because the, the new Ravnica sets came uh, came out. So they did the book on Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Theros just came out a, a new Theros set just came out. So they did the, the Theros book, and they returned to Innistrad like a couple years ago. So I don't know if they're gonna go back anytime soon, but I don't care. Innistrad, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Innistrad would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really good book. Um, I like the guide system, like I said. I like what they give both as a player and as a DM. I do admit I actually think that the player stuff is a little lacking. They only allow, f- what, six races available? Like, three of them give bonuses to con and strength, so, so like... Which is why I am a... F- Always of the opinion of just adapting it to what the players want to yeah, play. Yeah, I hate that. Uh, okay. Uh, Whatever, you're just And weird. only two subclass options. 
for a Bard and a Paladin. Yeah. They yeah. definitely... I think they should have put in more. The Supernatural Gifts thing's cool. That's kind of a new character creation thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, you know, cre- you know, choosing a god is also a cool part yes. of character creation. But, um, you know, I just don't think there's a lot for, for, for players. Um, just when it comes to, like, new classes and stuff and races. Um, and Satyr's broken. Um, <laughs> Satyr's are broken. I think what they give to a DM is good. Yeah. Yeah. Monsters are cool. Lots, lots of, lots of monsters. Um, which is really nice. Uh, not a ton of magic items. Gonna be honest, would like more magic items. I just think it fits the setting. Yes. Very well. But, I, okay, I think the reason why they didn't put in more, this might be a little bit lazy to say, but, like, they're just talking about how you can adapt and change basic magic items and magic items from other places. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To make yeah. it more fit in the world. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Also, this creature's tiny. Yeah. Can we just talk briefly about how the art in D&D has been upgraded drastically since they've pulled in a lot more magic for gathering art <laughs> yeah yeah it's just on a whole nother level now uh yeah wait they're not gonna show a picture of the voice for the oh yeah i do that thing oh god no. yeah it's a really good magic card. um hey uh it, it, it yeah it, it's i don't know it's cool it's okay the i think my one gripe is like it's looks like it built a lot from Ravnica. Mm-hmm. It's pretty similar. It's just like instead of guilds, it's gods and stuff, which is cool. And it looks like they learned some things and they changed some things around. Yeah. However, I, I would like something else. I would like something new. I, I would like something that that feels uh, different and stuff. Yeah. I do see this as kind of a sign, though, that wizards are, wizards of the coast are open to trying out new things and adding new things to character creation. Yeah. And to playing the game, even if they are just slight in this version here. Yeah. Also, this is the thing I want more than anything else, more than Innistrad or Amon Ket. They're taking a Magic the Gathering plan and making a D&D book out of it. They need to make a magic set with the iconic D&D heroes and just a whole D&D-focused D- uh, magic set. Yeah, no one cares. We're not talking about magic. Uh, uh, I just think it would help <laughs> in merging the two, uh, your two customer groups. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I think this is already brilliant mm-hmm. in the way that they're merging it because this is like gets magic players might want to play D&D. And mm-hmm. this also might get D&D players like, Theros is cool. Look at all this cool art. Might want to play magic. Um, it's also like a brilliant marketing move. Yes. And once again, a cool, a whole campaign book connected to these. Obviously, that's a lot of work. That's a lot to ask. But that would also, I think, really enhance it. Of course. Of course it would. You can um, always add things to try and enhance it. Yeah. I think the, the, the one thing that might not do that, though, is that it kind of requires this book to play that one. Yeah, so I think it would work best as like a bundle like together yeah who knows all right the strengths of this book as you can tell from us talking flavor brilliant flavor yeah the flavor bada bing bada boom bada boom it's very clear Mm -hmm. it's very clear which is which is uh important it's specificity with how to deal with the gods and how the gods interact with with the players great yeah and and it leaves a lot open as well though Mm -hmm. For you and your DM to figure stuff yeah, out. It's not like a strict binary system, but it gives you a lot of information tailored to each god, which is a great starting point. Yeah. And places that it falls behind is just in providing... They should have... I th- We believe that they should have gone even further with providing more character options and more systems into the game. But it's nice that they did introduce some. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it has a lot of stuff. So it's it not does. Like, yeah, it does have a lot of stuff. Um, 
uh, which is cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, once again, I, I, would, I would love to just try to play in it. See, see how these things actually translate into gameplay. Um, and I think, I, I would, I think I'm going to learn the most and formulate my opinion the best from being able to do that. But just looking at it, yeah, it's dope. Yeah. All right. All right, and that was episode 54. I hope you guys enjoyed our second part of our review of the Mythic Odysseys of Theros. Uh, yeah, uh, great book, cool book, great. You should go pick it up. Just look at the art, honestly. Um, you hey, all follow us on Instagram. Yeah, you should at d twenty underscore academy. We also have a Discord server where we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff. Already doing some cool stuff with homebrew and such. Yeah. Message us on Instagram to get into it. Our YouTube channel is caught up with our podcast. We're going to be releasing some exclusive content there soon. Videos with our actual beautiful faces or something or slides or whatever. Cool. Yeah, I also working on yes. products and stuff, question mark. I don't know how much I can say because um, I don't know how soon it will be able to be released. Um, but I'm actually working on like courses and products and stuff for D20 Academy to give you guys very detailed, specific advice, like take you through building a campaign, running a campaign, all that kind of stuff is what I'm uh, building, uh, which is uh, a, a good time. And so keep an eye and an ear out for that. More information coming sometime. Yeah, um, hey, Unwelcome Spirits is our uh, actual play series. It's actually getting a lot of listens, honestly. That's um, cool. More than, like, our regular episodes. Unfortunately, something happened in one of the episodes. You'll see. <laughs> uh, but go listen to it. It's good, uh, I think. Um, <laughs> and, uh, hey, what's next week episode? It's a world-building episode. We're, there's a lot of world-building stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. I think it's, like, a part two of something. I don't recall. <laughs> Maybe it's culture or something. Maybe it's magic. I think we're close to finishing our world-building series. Anyway, it's the second part of culture. Or the third. <laughs> third. No, it's Some... settlements. Settlements. Because I think we're talking true. about like government. No, we're talking about hey, uh, we're gonna find. You're gonna find out you're next gonna, week. You'll we'll find out next week. <laughs> um, it's gonna be another world building episode. Uh, we we love those and ones. After that, is that when we start? No, there's gonna be like uh, another episode. All right. Like 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 a base game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in three weeks yeah. from when this comes out, yeah. we start our new series. Where we go through and revise classes, rebalance, yeah, and we're the like. uh, building off of uh, class spotlights because we finished them. Mm-hmm. So now we're like rebuilding them. Yes. Which should be a lot of fun. It could also be a disaster. Who knows? Could very well be. We're gonna find out. We will find out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, go listen to Welcome Spirits. See you next week. Mm-hmm.